Thank you for taking time to listen to this Redemption Church sermon. Redemption Church exists to make authentic disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of our world. We want to help everyday people wake up to a deep, meaningful life in Christ. We pray this sermon will help. For more information about Redemption Church and for additional resources, please visit redemptionokc.com. Let's jump into the Word today. Uh, We are... um, Man, it's been a week, hasn't it? Like, this is gear shift. Just think about the celebration. Like, I'm on a high here. One of my mentors, actually, Bill Wellens, used to say to me all the time, you know, there's good and bad in every day. So I was like, man, that was the high. Now it's like, let's go back. Remember how this world, how things went this week? Actually, on the way to church today, I pulled my car out and had a flat. And I was like, 2021 is not starting the way I want this thing to go. And so... uh, but this week, and it just feels like we're, people are discouraged and divided on almost every front, doesn't it? And it's just, we're, we're a world in turmoil. We're as divided as it seems like is in my lifetime we've ever been. But here's the thing, I'm confident in the Lord. His ways are not our ways, thankfully. In fact, today what I wanna do is I want us to look at a, we're gonna look at a passage in Isaiah 55, and we're gonna look at the verses where that, uh, where those uh, are the passage where those verses come from. Uh, say, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. And we usually quote those verses whenever we're confused, right? Like one of the things I joke about sometimes is I go, well, the, the Lord and I argue a lot and I don't seem to win many of those. You know, like there's sometimes where I go, Lord, I don't think this is what we had planned for today, but he seems to do things his own way. So sometimes we say that whenever we get in these situations where life's not going the way we want it to, where things don't go exactly the way we think. And we feel like everyone, we got out of 2020 and we were like, that's past us now. And then 21 started and we're like, oh, you know, pull back. And we say things like, well, the Lord's ways are not our ways. But here's what I want us to look at today. When we, uh, I think, we need to understand, if we're going to really understand those verses, we need to understand the context of those verses. And one of the things that happens in our kind of pop preacher culture and social media theology world is we tend to take one or two verses, throw them on Instagram and throw them out and go, well, this is what they mean. And, uh, and maybe we don't get everything that's really there that scriptures want to teach us. And so I want us to apply some good Bible study methods today. I want us to actually look and, and look at those verses to say the Lord's ways are not our ways. I want us to go look at Isaiah 55 and dig in and look at the context, understand really what it's focusing on and what it says. So while you're turning to Isaiah 55, let me just say, this series we're starting called Seeking Things Above. Sometimes when you think of seeking things above, you might think that implies that we don't care about what's going on down here. Let me, let me say this, when the Bible talks about seeking things above, it's not saying that at all. What it's saying is that the stuff down here is so important that we better seek the things above to help us find our way through this mess. And so we need to, we need to look for someone else. Amen? Now, when we think about where we are um, in the Lord's Prayer, there's a reason why the Lord's Prayer does not say, your kingdom come, your will be done in heaven as it is on earth, right? Like none of us want that. None of us want to think heaven's going to be like this. It says really the exact opposite, right? It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need heaven to come down to us and we need to become more like the things above. That's the, that's the order and that's why it's so important. Now this year we've kind of seen what happens when we do things on our own. 
when we don't lean on the Lord as a society, as a broader, as a broader culture. I saw this video and uh, you can go ahead and roll the video if you want. I saw this video a little while back. And as I did, I just thought, man, that is a metaphor for humanity trying to do everything on their own. And I hope you think this is as funny as I do because I laughed so hard when I saw it here. Let me get out of your way. Uh, when I watched this video the first time, I literally laughed out loud and you can do the same thing. Any of you ever feel like, this is how your week's going. <laughs> it's just, you don't know whether to laugh or feel sad, do you? Look, she's just gonna crawl. And then watch this. <laughs> I'm just gonna give up and go home. <laughs> um, Man, that's just rough time, right? Um, you ever feel like that? Yeah, me too. And there are days when I feel like we are putting forth and exerting so much effort and not getting anywhere. There's days where it's like, man, I'm working harder and harder and harder and I'm making no progress at all. And there are days that, that times feel like that. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to look and see if we can find some encouragement and how to seek things above from Isaiah chapter 55. And we're gonna bounce around a little bit in this text today. And just because of time, I don't have time to kind of walk it through all the way through. So it's gonna be a little more like missing a playoff football game and watching the highlights. So I'm just gonna be able to punch and give you a couple uh, highlight kind of views of this text. Uh, but we're gonna see what we can learn. And we're gonna begin in verse six. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There's the, the word of the Lord as he uh, unpacks that in Isaiah, and Isaiah wants us to understand, and you see those famous verses, your ways are not my ways, but let me tell you where we're gonna go today. I want us to talk about what it means to seek the Lord, and then we're gonna look at what it says about why we should seek the Lord, and why his ways are so much better than ours. So let's start in verse six. Verse six says, God may be found, and is that good news? God is not so distant that you can't find him. It says he's near to you, that if you'll seek him, that you can find him. And so in that, there, there's something that you have to do on your own though. No one can seek God for you. Do you realize that? You can't vicariously seek God through your spouse. You can't vicariously seek God through your parents. You can't vicariously seek God through your pastor. You have to seek the Lord. But he's near and he can be found. There's also, it says, while he may be found. So there's a condition to that, meaning there should be a sense of urgency to your seeking the Lord. There should be a desire for you to run after him while there's time. And then verse seven tells us how we're to seek him. It says, we start by acknowledging that our ways and our thoughts are wicked. That, that stings a bit, doesn't it? Like any of you are gonna go like wickedness right here. Like wicked incarnate, that's me. Right, but here's the thing about, about that. When it talks about that, none of us wanna be called wicked, but by wicked, what it means is that we're not on par with God. That we all fall short of his goodness. And not only that, we actually oppose his goodness sometimes. So we, we don't measure up to who he is, but sometimes we even just outright act like enemies going against the ways of the Lord and the thoughts of the Lord. And so he calls us wicked. Now here's the irony for this. Most of us like to think, so, like to think that our thoughts and our ways are pretty, pretty darn good, don't we? 
Like, the, let's be honest, here's the way we, most of us tend to think that the way the, the world ought to stack up. It's like, there's Jesus, then there's me, and there's normal people, then there's everyone that disagrees with me, and then there's Hitler, and then there's Satan, right? I mean, like, we would never say that out loud, but if we're being honest, like, that's, that's the way we tend to think things stack up. Like, Jesus, me, and then everyone else. And so anyone that disagrees with me, it's like, ah, oh, they're just down here. They just need to figure it out. If they saw things like I did, if their thoughts and their ways were like my ways, and like Jesus' ways, then we'd probably... But, but it's interesting what it says here, isn't it? Notice what, what God is saying to us. My ways are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. He, you know, he doesn't say my thoughts are not Democrats' ways or my thoughts are not Republican ways. He just says my thoughts are not your ways. So whichever side you're on, my thoughts are not old people ways or young people ways. My thoughts are not your ways. It means we're all under that umbrella that the Lord speaks to and says, my ways and my thoughts are not yours. And he says the same to me, because we all fit in that camp. Friends, it's not vague, is it? It's pretty straightforward. I mean, like that's, that's pretty blunt language. God's way are higher. And the only way that we're gonna be satisfied is if we let go of our lower ways and learn to trust the way of the Lord. That's why if you go back to verse three, look at what it says. Verse three, it says, incline your ear and come to me hear that your soul may live. Says the, the Lord wants to say something to you. He wants to bend your ear. And some of you uh, young folks may not know that statement. Some of you older folks probably know what it means to bend someone's ear. It means like you, you want to grab their ear and just kind of turn it and just like, let me, I got something I want to say to you. But here you notice what it says about the Lord is he invites us to incline our ear, to come to him. It's because we need it and because he loves us. He's not like a football coach grabbing us by the face mask and screaming in our ear hole. Any of you had that happen before? Like some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It, it's not like that. He comes to us and he invites us to, to lean in, to listen up, because he has something he wants to tell us that's good news. And he wants to help us out. Notice he tells us why we should listen up. He says, so that your soul may live. Friends, how would you describe right now the soul of our nation? Is it alive? Or is it destructive? Man, there's so much darkness right now, I think. And can I tell you why so many are in despair? It's because we're not listening to the Lord. There are many voices that are shouting constantly at us and they're screaming into our ears and those messages and that news and the, the weight and the heaviness and the darkness of those things are not God's ways and they're not God's thoughts. And so we're filling our lives with things that are not God's thoughts and not his ways. And not only that, but then we're investing our, our lives in plans and programs and power plays that will never bring about true life and that will never feed and satisfy our souls. The Lord himself will. That's why verse two says, if you go back to verse two, I've always loved this, this entire passage, but these verses to me leap off to suburban American culture. They just leap off, leap off the page to us. Why do you spend your money for that which is not real bread? And why do you work so hard for that which does not satisfy? Do you catch what he's saying to us here? God says, you're wasting all your energy on stuff that's never gonna satisfy you. God's saying, I've got the good stuff and you're running around everywhere else looking uh, for, for scraps off the garbage heap that's never really gonna fill you and never really gonna give you joy. Notice it talks about money and labor. Let me ask you, what are the most important things you have to invest with your life? usually think of our treasure and we think of our time. 
Those are the, the, the things that we, we invest hoping to get a return on our investment. And what God says is you're running around in a fool's errand, throwing everything you've got at something that's never going to meet your need and never going to satisfy who you are, the things in your life. And so you're wasting your energy on stuff that's no good. And all the while, God says, I've got the good stuff. He's got a bucket list meal waiting for us, and it's all free if you just show up and eat. But instead, you're running around in garbage cans trying to scrape something off the bottom and nourish yourself in a way that's never going to be fulfilling and satisfying. Jesus once asked, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And friends, as I, as I thought this week, I just this thought crossed my mind that the last few months have shown some of us are winning, willing to win an election that lasts the next four years and lose the stuff that lasts forever. Some of us have poured ourselves into something that the next four years are going to go as fast as the dust in an Oklahoma wind. And they'll be gone. And we'll have nothing to show for it. But there's forever stuff that God wants to do. And that's the stuff we need to seek. For instance, you're, I just realized that people have sacrificed their character. They've sacrificed their relationships. They've sacrificed their ability to witness for the Lord. They've sacrificed their honor of God in the way that they've acted over a, four short period, a, year, a short period of time of four years when they should have forever in mind. And it isn't that we don't need to engage in the things of here and now, but we sure need wisdom from above to guide us in the world down below and show us how to live. Let me ask you this. Is your greatest attention given to God? Are your greatest hopes grounded in heaven or grounded on earth? Where's, where's your heart's focus? God asks us to listen diligently, it says to him. To listen diligently means to give him your undivided attention. Let me ask you, does God have as much attention as Biden or Trump? In your life, does God have as much attention as Fox or CNN? Does God have enough attention as the stock market or the sports page? Does God have as much attention as Netflix or Disney? Where is your focus? Who are you listening diligently to to make sure you don't miss something? I think the scriptures want to guide us here. Can I give you some good news? God says, I want you to delight in rich food. He's saying, if you come to me, I've got something better than all that stuff. I've got something that's going to be like the greatest taste, greatest thing you've ever tasted. And it's going to fill you up to satisfaction. Now look at the amazing thing it says next in verse 7. It says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Meaning, since our ways are not God's ways and our thoughts are not God's thoughts, turn your back on those and turn to the Lord. And then... It says, let him return to the Lord that the God may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. If I'll only turn away from the foolish ways and thoughts, it's, God will meet us there. And he says, he'll meet us as with rich food, but it says he will, he's waiting there to give his compassion away to us. Now these lines in scripture are poetry. And in this poetry, there's two parallel lines, which means one line kind of introduces the topic and the next one extends or expands on what it says. So let's look at this. The first one says, if you return to God, he's waiting to give compassion to you. Look at the second line, what it says. It says, when we come to him, he will abundantly pardon. What it's saying is God's not giving out grace and Pez dispenser little pieces. 
Like he's not like, here's a little grace for you and here's a little grace for you. What he's saying is, let me just stand under Niagara Falls and throw grace upon you. It's abundant, it's overflowing. It's something you could never hold back. And so God just says, my nature is to pour, pour out compassion and grace upon you. Do you, see, do you see the kind of love that God has? So here's the thing. No matter the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment that you bring, it says God is there waiting to give compassion to you. For those of us that are coming this week with angry hard hearts and those of us that are coming with crushed, wounded, broken hearts, he will abundantly meet you and, and pour out his love upon you. So here's what I want Here's what I need you to see today and what I hope from these, the famous verses I referenced earlier. Here's what I, what I hope that you do not miss today. When God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways, he's talking about our thoughts and our, and our ways is related to his compassion and his love. He's saying that it's, your thoughts are not like my thoughts when you regard his love. So verse seven um, tells us what God does. That when we show up to God, he, what God does is he gives us compassion and he abundantly pardons our sin. He forgives us. That's what God does when he shows up. Verses eight and nine tell us not just what God does, it tells us who God is. What is his very nature? And what it says is that his very nature is to overflow in compassion and grace. It's in this context as he's talking about his compassion and his love and his grace and his forgiveness to us that it says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For the heavens are higher than the earth and that his ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Meaning your way is way down here and God's thoughts are way up here. That when he thinks about love, God's thoughts are in a whole different universe from where our thoughts are. That that's how different our, his love and our love is. It's a good question as you think about this. Our natural way is not even in the same realm as his. It's, but what is the way that God is fundamentally different from you and me? It's his love and compassion. That there's something about his nature and who he is that's so radically different from us that he had this to say about it. And friends, if we're gonna grow in our trust of God, we need to understand how abysmally small our comprehension of his love really is. It's kind of a gross metaphor, but if you go stand on the, on the coast and you spit in the ocean, think how quickly a little speck of saliva dissipates in the waters that cover the entire earth. I mean, that's, that's our love compared to his love. That's how vast his love is next to ours. And so as we think about this, I'm convinced that the only way that we're gonna learn to act with compassion and love towards those around us that we disagree with in these days and in the days ahead is if we, if we admit and recognize that our love is not like his love, that our ways are not like his ways, that our thoughts are not like his thoughts, and we become desperate to begin to understand more of his love and understand and confess the brokenness of our ability to love and learn a new way. So the first step towards healing, I think, is admitting we need God's help. Now, I wanna go back just because I feel like we live in such a transient time and such an immediacy. I wanna go back and I wanna share with you a couple quotes and these are a little bit long, but I think it's helpful for us. And I, I wanna share these with you because I want you to understand this is not new. Like I'm not saying something that just dawned on us in the world now. This has been true in the time of Isaiah. It was true in the time of Jesus. It was true in about 400 AD when Augustine in his book Confessions wrote this. Narrow is the mansion of my soul. Enlarge it, God, that you may enter in. It is ruinous 
repair it. It's a prayer to the Lord. He's saying, if, if my soul was like a mansion and it's in ruins, would you, God, somehow step in and repair it so that it would be a, a fitting dwelling place for you? Something's messed up in my soul that needs to be renewed and restored. About 1,300 years later, Jonathan Edwards described us as people who were created to have a nobility and a greatness and a vastness of our love that incorporated all of the love of God and love of other people and were meant to be this kind of expansiveness of God's love. But then he wrote, when man sinned, all this excellent enlargedness of his soul was gone and he shrunk into a tiny little point, shut up within itself to the exclusion of other people. God was forsaken and fellow creatures were, were forsaken and man retreated within himself and became wholly governed by narrow, selfish principles. So you were created to have this expansive soul that loved God and loved others and sin turned you inward on itself so that you turned and became this tiny little speck that had no room for anyone but yourself. For sin broke our hearts and not just broke our hearts in the sense that it made us sad. It literally broke our ability to love. It broke our capacity for love. And not just that, it also broke our ability to receive love and our ability to comprehend love from the Lord. Dane Ortland writes this, the natural flow of the fallen human heart. So if you think of uh, sinful people, and, and that's all of us, Think of those who they called it said our ways are wicked and our thoughts are not like his. So those who are, uh, who are living according to the basic principles of this world, those who are in that place, if you think about our hearts, he says the natural flow of our hearts is toward reciprocity, tit for tat payback, equanimity and balancing the scales. Each part of us has been diseased by the ruinous fall into sin. What he's saying is we, we live in a world that just is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I'll hurt you back. You say something mean, I'll be mean. You raise your voice, I'm gonna raise my voice. We live in a world that says, I'm gonna match whatever you do, evil for evil. And then he goes on to say, our capacity to apprehend the heart of God has gone into meltdown. We are left with an impoverished view of how God feels about his people. Friends, this is what the Bible means when it says that our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts. It means that we're missing out on, we're missing out on how much he loves us means you don't understand the overflowing abundance of his grace and his mercy towards you. That when we hear, when you hear me say that, what Orland is saying is that when I say that to you, there's something in the back of your mind that goes, well, yeah, but. That when I say God loves you with an immense love, with an overflowing love, with a love you can never turn back or resist, you go, eh, and you begin to hedge your bets. Because something's broken in your heart that keeps you from receiving love keeps you from comprehending a love that great and keeps you from then in turn loving others in the way that God loves. So friends, as we think of this, the Bible's saying that we need to learn a new way of living, that somehow our natural inclinations, our natural dispositions, our natural relational reflexes are not going to come out as the Lord would have them come out. They need to be replaced by new ones because our love and our compassion are weak and feeble. Friends, this do you see how that would limit us in our ability to love when it's tough? Can I just say, some of you need to hear this today for your marriage and for your family. This has not been an easy time with COVID and with everyone at home and with all the craziness and quarantines and all the things that have happened in life of our world over the last year. It's taken a toll. And some of us need to hear this message 
for the sake of our marriages and our families. Some of us need to hear it for our extended families. Uh, I think everyone I talked to and said, how was your Christmas said, not the same. And they would go on to follow and say, some of our family wanted this, some of our family wanted this, and it just creates this tension. And, and you know, some of our family think, you know, is, is right-leaning, some of our family is left-leaning, and it creates all this tension. And man, some of us need to hear this message today for the sake of our extended family. Some of us need to hear this message because of our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and what it looks like for us to learn to love them those that are around us, how to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I'll just say, this is, this is harder right now than ever before in my lifetime, which means we need God's help and guidance more than ever before. Uh, it's more difficult and it's not gonna get easier. I want you to know that the next decade, we're gonna face intense pressure and intense disagreements about all sorts of issues. And we're gonna disagree with all kinds of people in our world. And we're gonna be at odds with many on multiple issues. And we're gonna have to just being completely blunt and, and kind of where we're gonna go as a church this next year is we're gonna have to think more deeply. We're gonna have to think more biblically. We're gonna have to think more Christianly about a whole set of issues we'd rather not even think about. But we're gonna have to learn to do it to live well in our world. And, but here's a core issue that I think this text raises that I think we need to settle in our hearts right now. And that's because if we don't get this right, I don't think we'll live in a healthy God-honoring way moving forward. Friends, at the core of the Christian faith is the idea that our ways are not God's ways. That, that's at the very heart of Christianity. And this is a personal, we have a, a personal deity who's not us. A God who's outside of us. And because we've fallen away from him and our ways are not his ways, he had to step into our world and show us a new way. And because of that, he, he, he's wiser than we are. He's kinder than we are. And his love is bigger than ours. And so when we try to live apart from him, things go, things go wrong. Things go horribly wrong when we try to do it in our own way. So he came in order to demonstrate his love for us. But he came also to give us that heart of compassion, to give us that abundant pardon for our sin and to give us instruction for how to live. So for... As I think about where we head this, this year, if we're gonna be light in the world, then we've gotta seek God's ways who are higher than our ways so that he brings healing to our souls and we learn a new way to love, that our ways and thoughts become more like his. Isaiah 55, you skip down towards the end. Isaiah 55 ends this way. It says, for you shall, shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills will go before you and they will break forth in singing and the trees of the fields shall clap their hands. And instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord and an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. See, what God promises us is that when we come to him, we'll find compassion, we'll find pardon, but we'll also find new life and we'll find joy that he'll bring something new. It's kind of a weird thing he does here in this poem because he goes and talks about hills going out in front of us and hills singing and trees clapping. And um, what's the point? Why does he go to this kind of wild imagery? Here's the reason. He's saying that just as that seems so far outside of our natural experience, he wants you to understand his love is that far outside of our natural experience. If we come and we just try to see this in the way that we understand love, he says, you're gonna miss it. You've got to understand that my love is greater. My, way, my love is higher. My love is, is deeper and richer and better and more satisfying than anything else. And so it's, it's almost, it will blow your little mind if you try to wrap your head around it. 
It's so crazy. So you think of it like trees clapping and mountains singing and where thorns and thistles were, the beautiful trees just emerge and, and, and explode on the scene and there's new life and there's joy and there's something that's unstoppable there. And he says, that's what I have for you. Friends, do you need a vision for that in the days ahead? So let me end with this. How do we get it? He actually tells us at the very beginning of the chapter, if you go back to verse one, come everyone who thirsts, Come to the waters, he who has no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. What do we have to do? We just have to come. It doesn't cost you anything. It says, come and I will give you whatever, I will give you this blessing. But you come empty-handed and it will be yours. Um, just come. This is the gospel. Come receive what you long for, but what you can never pay for. And he will meet you there. But you have to come to Jesus. He can receive what you could never do on your own. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love that is greater than our love. I thank you that your ways are higher than our ways. Father, as we wander in the wildness of this world right now, Father, would you break our hearts for those around us? Father, would you give us a compassion that mirrors your compassion? Would you help us to love as you love? And Father, would you make us a people of grace and truth Father, we'd be able to speak the truth in love, but it would always be seasoned with grace. Father, I pray that you would do good work in this year through the people of our church. Father, strengthen us for the day. Satisfy our souls. Bring life and joy and goodness as we look to you, as we seek you personally. Father, we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this Redemption Sermon. For more resources and information about Redemption Church, visit redemptionokc.com and follow us on social media.